You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Let's go ahead and stand in honor of God's Word, Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. But I want you to look this way because we have a problem. Okay? And the problem is this, in a group of this number that we have so few people that are willing to do extended session. You know, Jesus said this, He said, Suffer not the little children to come unto Me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And yet, the truth of the matter is, is that what happens is, is that you have a handful of people who are doing it all the time. And these are people with a servant heart, and they're doing it. And I can tell you this much, I told Tanya last week, I said, Tanya, there'll be a special place in heaven for people that do preschool extended session. Because I'm going to tell you something, Jesus loved children. And uh, if you're a parent and you leave a child down there, then periodically you need, well, you need to put your name on that list. Okay, first, that's, that's first. If you're a grandparent and you have a grandchild down there on that, on that group, you need to put your name on that list. Okay? Yeah, that'll be good for you to do. But if you're here today and you're breathing... Okay? You're breathing. How many of you are breathing today? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. See, a few of you are not breathing. And I could tell that by the way you're worshiping. You see, if you're breathing, then God's given you breath in your body to, to help out here. So, Terry, would you raise your hand, Terry? Terry Volz? Terry is our preschool director. And uh, God bless her, that is a tough, tough job, okay? And, and we need help in extended session. Now, if it comes down to it, I have done it before. You can find somebody else to preach, okay? If you want to pay me what you pay me to keep extended session, I'll do it. So uh, I expect for you after the service to get with Terry, give her your name, and put yourself on that list. Everybody be a part of it. It doesn't matter if you don't have children yet and you're young, you can do it anyway, okay? And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, because we're talking about a great commission Christian. In other words, you and I having the responsibility as kingdom builders to build up the kingdom of God. That means that every day of our life, we get up in the morning. I love Jim Henry, who used to be the pastor of First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida. He said he'd get up every morning, stand up on the side of his bed, salute, look toward heaven, and said, Private First Class Jim Henry reporting for duty, sir. Okay? What a way for a believer to get up in the morning. You and I getting up in the morning, just simply looking toward heaven, saluting to our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, and saying, Lord, this is Private First Class Jeff Parker. I'm reporting for duty, and I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do and whatever you need me to do. My friend, you and I are involved in kingdom building. And we have to understand as we are working for the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light, there is another kingdom that is also reporting for duty. And there is a spiritual enemy out there. And that enemy, Satan, Diabolos, that the devil, he is out there and he's also rallying up his troops. And believe you me, his troops are a lot better at standing at, the, at their bed and looking and, and, and saluting their commander-in-chief and doing what he tells them to do. Oh, that God would have that kind of believer committed 
committed to furthering the kingdom. Now Jesus here is sending His disciples out. Now look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It said, He called His twelve disciples to Him and He gave them what? You see it? You see it up there? If you don't have your Bibles, look on the screen. He gave them what? He gave them authority. And we said last week this thing we call the force of authority. So He gives them authority. He gave them authority to do what? To drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. Now that word authority means it is lawful or that God, Jesus Christ, has delegated His power to you and I. You remember last week we talked about Clyde goes on a cruise. Clyde and Jean go on a cruise. They leave me to be responsible for their, for their home. I go over to their check on their home a couple of days later and what do I find there at their house? Squatters. There's people, they've pulled up cars, they're working on vehicles, they're in the kitchen, they're working around the house. And I go, well, wait a minute. You can't do that. You can't be... Well, who said that? Well, Clyde Harris left me in charge of this property. He has delegated that responsibility, that authority to me. And I'm going to have to ask you people to leave, to vacate the premises. Hear me, we have an enemy. That enemy is the devil. He is a squatter. He does not have a right to be in this city, to be in this community, to wreak habit up, up and down these streets. But I want you to know something. He is a squatter, and unless you and I understand the authority that we have in Jesus Christ, we are defenseless against Him. He said, I will give you authority to drive out the squatter, those evil spirits, your enemy, the devil. And so that's what He does. Now watch, read on. And to heal every disease and sickness. Then he goes on in verses 2 through uh, 4 to give the names of the, of the disciples. Then in verse 5, pick up at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any enter, enter, enter into any town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. As you're going, that's a participle there. As you're going, in the process of you living out your day-to-day -day life, as you're going, preach this message. The kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. There it is again. Freely you have received. Freely what? Freely give. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you love us and that you care about us. And Lord, we just pray right now that, dear Lord, you speak to us so clearly that our lives will never be the same. Lord, people can only know and understand your love for them when we tell them. So may we be faithful. May we understand that where you have placed us, that it is a divine opportunity to bring the, the beautiful light of your presence in very dark places. And Father, we give you glory. And Lord, we ask you to cleanse our hearts, cleanse the heart of your messenger. And Lord, may, a, may everything be to your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So here we have, first of all, the force of authority. 
In other words, you and I need to understand. Jesus, when He gave the Great Commission, the first thing He said was, Disciples, wait a minute. Before you go, before you go, I've got something I want to tell you. All authority has been given unto me. Now that authority that Christ has been given has been delegated to you and I. He's given us the authority. He's given us that power. He's given us that ability over our enemy. In Luke 10, 17 through 21, we looked at this last week, there are two things that are critical. It is that Jesus is Lord. In fact, let's, let's do it again because some of you weren't here. Look at Luke chapter, let's just look at Luke chapter 10. Real quickly, Luke 10, 17 through 21. Because this is so powerful. In Luke 10, verse 17... Just take a right from Matthew, go over to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 10, verse 17. Watch this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now watch, look at verse 19. There it is again. I have given you authority. I have delegated power. Look at verse 17. Here's the key. They, there's two things that are settled in the lives of these disciples as they return. And I think it's the key to power and authority in our lives. They address Jesus as Lord. Without Christ being Lord of your life and my life, we have no power. Without Lordship, there is no power. And then they said this, we understand we were able to do this because it was not in our name, it was in your name. They understood the power of the name of Jesus. Philippians 2.10, we looked at it last week. It says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. So this is critical. So first of all, we have here, we have the force of authority. But secondly, I want you to look at verses 5 and 6 of Matthew chapter 10. Because we have the focus of the assignment. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jesus says to these 12 in Matthew 10 that He's getting ready to send out. He gives them instructions. Now watch this. He says, Do not go among the Gentiles or any, enter into any town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. You see, the church's mandate, your mandate, my mandate, listen to this, is to win the world. That means your neighborhood, that means your community, that means this city, that means this state, that means this nation, that means this world. But the danger is, and Christ understood this, is that that is almost overwhelming. I don't know about you, but that, there's, a, there's a measure of disappointment, of frustration, the task of winning the world. Monday I was driving through the city, coming through past public schools and praying. We went into several schools taking baskets of goodies and putting them in the faculty lounges. And we did that, and, and, and so I just, I just kind of got burdened. Well, I got diverted in traffic. I had carried Sheila to work in Byram. I was coming back, and, and so I, I just decided to escape the traffic, and I ended up driving by so many of these schools. And I began to just pray, God... Help us to reach this city. 
But I want you to know something. To me, the task was is so great that I finally cried out, God, help us. When I came in this morning and saw the TV messing, the monitor right here in this hallway, messing again, stolen again. And I came down there and I looked and Sheila was, Sheila was just had her hands down on, her, on, on the table there in my, in my office with her head down and she was crying. And she said, I get so tired of this that people steal units, people steal monitors. The enemy, the squatter, has settled in. And the church doesn't understand this thing of authority. You see, Jesus was systematic. He was careful. He was calculated. He was a divine administrator. He was shrewd when He talks about the Great Commission. He understood that our propensity, our tendency, is to bite off more than we can chew or to get discouraged. And so Jesus in the Great Commission uses concentric circles. He starts off by saying, reach your Israel. Reach your community. Reach those people that are around you. When you go through the International Mission Board, if you you decided that you wanted to be a missionary, and you put your name in the hat, and and you went to Richmond, Virginia to meet with the International Mission Board, do you know what the first question they will ask you? They'll ask you, what are you doing right now? What are you doing where you are right now? What are you doing for the kingdom of God where you are right now? And somebody says, well, you know, I'm I'm really not doing anything, but I'm I'm getting ready to go. No, you're not going nowhere. We're not going to invest and send you to do something that you need to be doing right where you are. You see, the focus of the assignment, Jesus was very particular here in verses 5 and 6. He tells these disciples, He says, go to Israel. Not Samaria, not Judea, not the uttermost parts of the world. He's very specific here. The objective of a great commission Christian is intentional. It's not mediocrity. It's not meandering or floundering or stumbling with no direction. It's intentional. God has given me an assignment. Every single day that He gives me breath in my body, He's given me an assignment to go out and be the salt and the light and the yeast. That's why I'm here. That's the only reason that I'm here. Anybody can run the bank. Anybody can teach a class of students. Anybody can preach a sermon. The angels hang over the balconies of heaven. They envy us for the divine opportunity of telling people about Christ. And so here, Jesus, there's the focus of the assignment. The objective is intentional. Now, what does this mean to you and I? It means where you live. It means where I live. It means where you and I work. It means where you and I exist every day of our life. That God has put people all around us who need to hear the message. You know, Gary Bolden preached on the great white throne judgment. But I wondered how many of us really understood that. Do you know that in heaven, listen to this, do you know that in heaven there'll be 30 minutes of silence?
God's throne room. The 24 elders. Elijah, Moses, the prophets, the lawgiver, the disciples, the tribes of Israel, the martyrs who have died, that in heaven there'll be 30 minutes of silence for all of the unredeemed that will spend eternity in hell. And I wonder how many of us really understand the great white throne judgment when somebody looks at us who worked with us, who sat next to us in a classroom, who sat next to us somewhere, and looks at us and says, why didn't you tell me? And the Bible says in heaven there'll be absolute silence. There won't be the cry of the cherubim saying, holy, holy, holy. as the judgment is pronounced on lost humanity to be separated from God and the love of God for all of eternity. And a neighbor, a friend, a schoolmate, somebody who cries out and looks at you and says, why did you not tell me? You see, that's the tragedy. And I know the way we are, the tragedy is for many of us, we say, you know, I know God has put these people in my path. But it is so difficult. Let me, let me show you something. Take a right from Matthew and look at John 7. This is a strange passage in some ways to me. In John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. I want you to see this. Everybody in this room thinks, whether we want to admit it or not, that people will make fun of us. Okay? That people won't, they'll just flippantly dismiss us. They won't listen to us. Look at Jesus here in John 7, verses 1. Verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely uh, staying away from Judea because the Jews were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles that you do. Now everybody look this way. This is James. This is Jude. Those names sound familiar to you? These are his, these are his four brothers. These are his brothers mocking and making fun of him. They're saying, listen, why don't you just, uh, why don't you go on up there and show yourself? Let everybody see you. See, now watch this. Look at verse 3. Jesus' brother said to him, you ought to leave here. Go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even, look at verse 5, underline it. You see it? For even his own brothers did not believe him. Now look at verse 25. Skip on down to 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly. They're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one knows where he'll come from. You see, the problem is in our life, and the reason many of us don't share our faith, is first of all what I call the familiar. 
You see, Jesus had the same problem. In other words, people look and say, well, what, hey, what happened to you? Did you get a dose of religion? You know what the answer to that is? Yes! What happened to you? Did you turn fanatic or something on us? The answer to that is yes! God got a hold of me. I'm not the same man. And I'm not ashamed of it. You see, what it is here, this, in, in John chapter 7, they're saying, hey, isn't that it? Jesus? That's Joseph and Mary's boy. That man built my table. He came over and worked on my cabinets. I've known him for years. And my friend, that's exactly what people may sometimes say about you. You know what the best thing for you and I to do is admit the change. I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. Admit the change and if you've lived an ungodly life in the past, express a repentant heart. I told you years ago, well it hadn't been a couple of years ago, my dad was in Sam's, I was with him, and I was getting ready to leave, and he said, hey, did you see, my, we kind of went different directions, come back together, I said, dad, I'm getting ready to go. He said, well, did you see old so-and-so, Mike? And when he said the name, I got kind of heavy. He said, you remember Mike, you went to school with him. He wanted to see you. Well, I didn't want to see him. But buddy, I went walking across that parking lot of Sam's trying to get to my car, thanking God that I had not seen Mike. When all of a sudden I heard a voice holler, Jeff! Jeff Parker! And I saw kind of a grayish-haired guy coming across there holding a little girl about two years of age. He came up to me and said, Man, Jeff, it's so good to see you. How you doing? And then he laughed. He said, you know, the last time I saw you, you were in a bar and you were drunk and you, had a, and you were in the middle of a fight. And if I remember, the law came. And if I remember, you ended up in the ER. And I looked at Mike and I said, Mike, I'm not that man anymore. There's an old song, my uncle says, the old man is dead. And Mike looked at me, I'll never forget it. Tall guy standing there. He said, this is my granddaughter. And he smiled and he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, I thought I'd heard you were. He said, I am too. Yes. You see, a lot of times in our life, we want to hide. We say, well, they know me. They're, they're familiar with me. That's all right. They were familiar with Jesus. And so here you have it. But the other thing is not just familiar, but a fake. You see, some of us fail to win people to Christ because the truth of the matter is we're one thing here at church and we're another thing at home, at work, at school, and with our friends. Are you real? Are you genuine? Or are you a fake? Does your Israel know you so well that you don't have an effective witness because of that? So there's familiar, there's a fake. And some people say, well, wait a minute, what about family? 
Look at Matthew 10, 36. Look at Matthew 10, 36. You see it? A man's enemies will be the members of what? Of his own household. You mean that that's right. You sell out to Christ. You put Him Lord of your life. You stand up at the foot of the bed and you salute toward heaven and you say, Lord, this is private first class, whoever it is, I'm reporting for duty. And you watch the person laying in the bed next to you. You watch your own family. Some of your own family may say, man, you're crazy. You flipped your lead. You are a fanatic. You're taking it too far. Why don't they tell that to the Green Bay Packer fan that's sitting there painted green with yellow numbers on him? You see, we have a responsibility. When Sheila became a believer in Jesus Christ and gave her heart and life to Christ, she went home, sat down, looked at her dad, a World War II veteran. Looked at her dad and began to tell her dad what had happened in her heart and in her life. And you know what her dad said? He said, honey, that's all right for you, but you keep it to yourself. You see, I love this. In Matthew 10, verse 7, it says, as you go preach this message. Now look this way. The kingdom of heaven is near. Everybody do this. Tap your heart. The kingdom of heaven is where? The kingdom of heaven is here. That old song that says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living no matter what men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. And my friend, that ought to be every one of us. You see what Jesus was saying? You are the kingdom of God. You are a little bit of heaven. That's exactly what he's saying. At home, at work, in that cubicle you sit in, at your desk, at that classroom, in your car, on the highway, in the office, wherever you are, that's heaven, that's the kingdom of God there. But I can tell you the problem. For some of us, it's not heaven there, it's hell. Your mission field and my mission field Focus of our assignment begins first and foremost with that one circle that surrounds my immediate life right here where I live. But then finally, and we'll close with this, is a face of affection. Look at verses 8 and 9. I love this. Look at it. He says, the kingdom of heaven is near, verse 7, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received, freely give. There is the face of affection. You see, our faith needs to be lived out in concern and compassion for broken and hurting people. Let me ask you a question. Do you care about the people 
who are coming across your path every day. You know, sometimes, and I've been sick, and man, I've had more tests done, and now they've taken me off this medicine. I've got to go back in four weeks for blood work, and man, it's unbelievable. But I can tell you one thing. i got a doctor named Dr. David Fleming. And I knew David Fleming when he was a farmer up there in the Delta. And I want you to know, I can go to St. Dominic's, I can go to River Oaks, I can go anywhere. I can go up there to, Brand, uh, to, to Rankin General, no matter where I go. When I say David's name, nurses, doctors, everybody say, that's a good man. I can tell you why he's a good man. He was raised by a good man and a good woman. But you know what I love about my doctor? My doctor comes in there and sits down. And I see compassion all over him. I feel like, listen, my blood, the nurse can check my blood pressure, it can be up. David, Dr. Fleming will come in there, he'll talk to me for a minute, take my blood pressure, and it'll be, listen, it'll be low. Why? Because there's compassion. There's kindness. There's gentleness. Do you care about the people that God brings across your path? What is an OTM? An OTM is an opportunity to minister. How many opportunities to minister does God give you and I that we just allow to pass by? You see, this church is not a benevolent organization. It's not a non-profit organization. And this church is not here for the community to provide community services. This church is the body of Christ. And you and I are the body of Christ. And He gives you and I opportunities to minister. And I believe that if you and I are true Christians, that we will seek out those opportunities to minister no matter where they are. In Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31, Jesus said, at that, at that, great, white, at that great judgment, Jesus said there'll be people and He'll look at them and say, you know, when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick, you didn't visit me. When I was in prison, you didn't come to see me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me... Whoa, whoa, Lord, what do you mean? And Jesus would say, all them opportunities to minister, you never acted on one of them, which is a clear indication that you did not have my Holy Spirit in you. Because I don't know about you, Jesus was the picture of compassion. Now, I don't believe it's a verse people beat. You know, we have people beat us over the head. People come up there. We're hungry and we want food right now. Y'all, the church... You owe it to us. You know how many times we hear that a week? You know what I want to do? I want to look sometimes and say, you know, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. But I want you to know this much, you and I are responsible for those OTMs. I listened to Chip Henderson a couple of weeks ago. Chip was preaching to Pine Lake. And I guess there had been some complaining that they were getting too big and spreading too far because they're getting ready to have a satellite in Starkville. And Chip finally asked the people this question. He said, do we quit and say this is enough? You know, that's a good statement. That's a good question. Do we quit and say this is enough? Absolutely not. 
I want you to stand. I want you to listen to these ministry opportunities that are available to you. This is a this is a this is a small, weak church by all outward evidence. Okay? But let me let me share with you some of the things that we are involved in. We have a homebound ministry. You know what a homebound ministry is? That means for all these senior adults that live out in these neighborhoods, a lot of them live like prisoners. They've got bars on the windows, they've got bars on the doors. Listen, they live like prisoners. And, and those people are going to be ministered to. Okay? That's our homebound ministry. We have, uh, we have a clothing closet. Now, if you want to be involved in the homebound ministry, Irene, raise your hand. Somebody raise their hand near Irene, because you won't be able to. There you go. There's Irene. See Irene. Say, I want to be involved in that. We have a clothing closet. Come, come October to March, day labor, construction comes to a standstill. November, December, January, and February, people will be coming in here by the hundreds needing food. They'll need clothes. Uh, Stephanie has agreed to take our clothing closet. Stephanie, raise your hand. We have, we have music. We have opportunities for people to sing and to be a part of a group like this. You know what the problem is, though? For many of you, you may have a voice, you may be gifted, but you're not committed. And if you're not committed, that man won't keep you. And all the choir said, Amen. Amen. We have a food pantry now. Jerry and Marge are on vacation, but we have a food pantry. And that food pantry feeds an enormous number of people every year. We feed, listen, we feed people every single day that are coming to that food pantry. And you can be a part of it. We've got a homeless shelter over here that Safe Haven is in the process of, of, of bringing under their auspices and making it a satellite of Safe Haven, which is up in South Haven, just south of Miss, uh, uh, Memphis. And we're working on that right now. We're getting ready, Jeff and I, and Matt and, and uh, Leah, getting ready to go to Zimbabwe. Why are we going to Zimbabwe? We're going to bring back a video from Zimbabwe, Africa, so you can see the number of orphans. Well, how many orphans are there? Listen to this, about two million. Well, why are there so many orphans? Because HIV, AIDS is killing the people. And next week you'll see children left at a hospital with nobody. You'll see children wandering the streets like stray dogs wander this city. And this church is trying to secure land and trying to do what we can. And, and, and why are we going? Because listen, you're going to get to go. We want you to go. We want you to be a part of that. So you need to be saving now. Quit eating your Happy Meals or whatever, combos and, and put them away. We've got a fall festival. We've got unity concert. We've got homeless meals at Thanksgiving and Christmas. We've got Heather Rogers. Where's Heather at? Heather is getting to, ready to be our new church secretary. We're going to uh, be asking her to take some of this administrative responsibility with some of the mission things that we're involved in, working with the local schools. We've got a literacy program. 
This Wednesday we'll be teaching children how to read. And you can be a part of that. There are repairs around this church. Men, you don't need an invitation. Get two or three men together and say, listen, there are things that need to be done. Let's show up this Saturday and let's do these things. You can tell Steve. Steve, you'll be glad to give him your key, won't you? We need van drivers. Jason's getting ready to go to Vietnam the 1st of December. We need people to drive van. There are all kinds of OTMs. The problem is, will you be willing to do them? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we come to You. And Lord, we pray that we will be Great Commission Christians and a Great Commission Church. Lord, we know that we're small. And we know, dear Lord, that our resources are limited. And we know, dear Lord, that we live in a place today where every week it seems like something is stolen. Our our enemy, the devil, has squatters everywhere. Lord, he, he, is, he, he, is, uh, he is so much holding this city in bondage. But Father, you've placed us here and you've filled us with the power of your Holy Spirit. And your resources are unlimited. You've given us all the power that we will ever need to accomplish everything you call us to do. And so Father, we pray today that there'd be a fresh commitment that the men and women and young people in this room would leave this place and when they get up, they would stand up tomorrow by their bed, maybe kneel first, and then stand and say, Lord Jesus, this is private first class, Dusty Mangum. This is private, private first class, Alicia Parker. This is private first class, Doug Williams. This is private first class, Leanne Ainsworth. And I'm here today, Lord, to do whatever you need me to do. To find those opportunities to minister. And God, may we never get it in the wrong order. May it come out of a relationship that spills over into the lives of other people. Because we're walking intimately and personally with you. So Lord, may this be a fresh commitment to serve you. And God will give you the glory. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today they would come. And they would say, I want to become a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to give my heart and my life to Him. And I want to do it today. Lord, we pray that you call people. And we pray this in the name of...